We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is trying to find a lighter relationship with her mother-in-law. But before we begin... (laughs) The way you said that... (laughs) We're answering a question from someone who's trying to find a lighter. <laughs> this a is lighter what I heard. Relationship. Like you, you need a light her. for your smoke. <laughs> yeah. There was just a really intense pause. Yeah, so. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a former smoker, I know the the anxiety that comes with not being able to find your lighter, you know? Can't find a lighter? Oh, my God. <laughs> Drive to a store and buy one. Yeah, absolutely. They're <laughs> That's like how intense it was. 99 cents, but... I had so many for so long because I would forget them and then they would just like, I would have like 40 of them in a box somewhere. I was the asshole that would steal them. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, all of this to say uh, that we want to start with our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. No, we are not professionals. We are not trained in any of this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Okay, I'm going to dive into today's letter. It's a good one. It's from Anonymous Anonymous, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm having a problem with my mother-in-law. The first thing you should know is that I have been with her son for only three years, so I recognize this is still a new relationship. However, instead of our relationship growing and getting deeper, it seems to be getting worse and worse every time I see her. The second thing you should know is that we both have a background of traumatic loss. She lost her dad as a little girl, and I lost my first husband and toddler son when I was in my early 30s. I have delved deep into grief work. I had three therapists, attended a workshop, tried all sorts of modalities, read a million books. Basically, I've done whatever I can to address this huge, huge loss that so that it doesn't take me down with it. 
She, on the other hand, has turned to workaholism and distraction and refuses to acknowledge anything hard or painful, despite the fact that I can almost feel it emanating off of her when I'm in the same room as her. But if you ask her how she's doing, even this week after her brother died unexpectedly, her answer is always, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. The difference in our approach to grief or even just to the realness of life is making it so, so difficult to connect with her. It feels like we both trigger each other so hard so that even the little conversations feel tense and awful. My current husband is amazing at honoring and acknowledging my son who died, bringing him up at Thanksgiving and family gatherings with my in-laws, despite the fact that they never knew him. But my mother-in-law just won't engage in a meaningful conversation way. Once I shared with her that I was struggling with my current pregnancy in light of losing my first son and that I was feeling happy and sad at the same time. Her response was a very dismissive, have you tried just being grateful for what you have? Toxic positivity is kind of an overused term, but she could be the poster child. In summary, I feel like I lean towards oversharing, being honest with my feelings and struggles, and overall just wanting to be as real as possible in all of my relationships. She leans to the polar opposite side, putting on a fake happy face and pretending nothing bad ever happens or exists in the world. In my therapy work, I'm learning how to come to the middle where I can feel solid in my own story and experience without needing other people's validation of my pain. She, however, is not interested in doing any of the work and has said as much many times. It just sucks. I feel like I'm stuck. I've accepted that what I'm getting from her is her 100% and that there's no secret to unlocking her, quote, real self. I arrived at this conclusion after a few very painful years of trying and failing. I now know she does not want this kind of relationship with me, and I'm working on accepting that. Cue Sam's you are choosing to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you speech. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> But unlike a romantic relationship, I can't just break up. How can I continue to be around her without feeling so terrible inside every time? How do I cultivate a lighthearted, joyful relationship with her that still feels authentic? I wish I could start at ground zero with her, but she's so guarded around me. I think I've tried to engage her one too many vulnerable times in conversation, but she has completely shut me out. I see now how me pushing vulnerability on her was really threatening to the emotional safety she has built. I want her to see me as a safe person so we can laugh and enjoy each other. After losing my previous family, I want to really cherish the people in my life and love them deeply and fully. I just don't know how to do this with her. Please help. I trust your opinions on complex subjects more than anyone else because of how much compassion you bring to humanity at large. Thank you for doing what you do. All right. Anonymous, anonymous. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this question. Um, The first thing that I want to say before we get into anything else is that I am so sorry that you lost your husband and your son. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose two people that dear to you um, and then just be expected to 
continue moving on with your life. And I, for one, am so proud of you for doing so much work around living in this grief, holding the memory and the love that you have for your uh, son and your uh, husband who passed and also finding a way to not just like move on to the next thing, but also to, to live in the reality of that and to choose instead of closing yourself off to open up to new possibility, to finding vulnerability with people, to sharing what this is. And I know that going through grief is so deeply isolating uh, because it feels like no one will ever understand what it feels like to lose somebody or some buddies in the way that you have. And to a certain extent, that's true. No one is ever going to know what it feels like to have lost your husband and your son in the way that you did. That is a thing that is sadly and unfortunately just yours to hold. And what I appreciate about how you're approaching the world now is that you're recognizing that other people are carrying their own things and that it's so much better when we all agree to see and hold and appreciate and love all of the things that we're holding collectively together. So Sierra and I are going to offer you some advice and a little bit of maybe a perspective shift on your mother-in-law and how you can be in relationship with her in a way that feels like you're not sacrificing what's important to you. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to say that and to say to you, I see what you're holding. Um, and I can't hold it for you, but I can definitely put my hands on your shoulder and acknowledge and hold that it is something that is really big for you. So thank you for sharing it with us. And um, we're going to get into some advice and some thoughts right after this break. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. 
All right, Head & Heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, my darlings, welcome back. Um, I want to echo what Sam said, of course, and add... Uh, a couple things personally, you know, Sam and I talked about before we press record on this episode, we talked about how this is the world that the world you're describing. This is the world that Sam and I want to live in. Oh, for sure. You know, we built this podcast because of our deep love for one another and our love for talking about the hard things and seeing people in their full humanity. So this deep desire that you have to live in authentic alignment with that vulnerable truth, with everything that you are and everything that life contains, the suffering and the joy, that is my life's mission. And that's what I seek out in other people. So while we give you a bunch of tools to deal with the fact that that's not the reality, <laughs> I want you to mm-hmm. know that I want it to be, you know, and you people like you and I and Sam who want to connect our traumas to our everyday lives because we know that they're there anyway and that we know that being rooted in our what in our suffering means that we are that much more rooted in our joy. Uh, You know, we have to learn to meet people where they're at. We can't sort of force that connection as much as we want to. Anyway, this is all to say that Sam and I want this world. We, we want to like have a timeshare in it with you. Um, So please know that this, this connection, this, this desire you have is one that we share um, whether or not it can be fulfilled or not. Um, Earlier, Sam said that grief is lonely, lonely, you know, trauma can be, can be so lonely because of the way we feel like no one will ever understand. 
um, or feel what we're feeling. And after reading your letter, I was so struck with the idea that this relationship with your mother, this or your mother-in-law, this disconnect, it's another form of grief, truly, you know, the, the loneliness of trauma, um, the, the feeling that people won't be able to see you fully. It's an extension of that. You, you are grieving your family and you're also grieving this relationship potential that you and I know is real. I know it's real. I've touched, I've touched it. I've tasted it. I've felt it. I have been so deeply seen by someone else that the, that the opposite or the fake version of being seen will never truly sustain me. Um, and so it is, you're grieving that as well. You know, there's so many tears to that. I think that that's so true. And I, I, you know, I think for me, it's impossible for me to not try and engage with people in this way. <laughs> like it, it is just like, it's impossible for me to not talk about my experience with my dad. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it is a, it is such a foundational piece of the story that I know about myself and, um, and for me sharing about it at this point feels good, right? Like it feels like a thing that, that is actually helpful for me and allows me to connect with people in ways that I find really important. Um, and yeah. I also have to recognize that not all people are ready to receive that type of vulnerability with the ease that I have for myself. Right. And and that that is okay, right? And and I want to say this to you that like, because this is stuff that I have to remind myself of too when people react poorly to me saying something about what happened with my dad is that the way that people react to how me sharing about it has absolutely nothing to do with me or what my experience was with my dad and has everything to do with whether or not that person is in a place where they can hear it or in a place where they can hold yeah. it in the way that 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 I have over years and years of doing work to figure out how to hold it in a way that feels good for me. Not good. That's a weird way to say it in a way that feels like appropriate for me. So the fact that your mom reacted with toxic positivity to what you shared with her about your pregnancy struggles is shitty. <laughs> like I, I'm not going to deny that like the way that she responded isn't great in terms of how it landed on you. It's, it's called like a conversation killer. Right yeah, there. absolutely. <laughs> like, it is. What do you say to that? <clears throat> yeah. Like, just like, uh, uh yeah, <laughs> I guess I haven't been thankful for this. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah. Great. <laughs> Rich, like is deeply triggering is really hard. And when stuff like that happens to me, one of the things that I've been trying to work on and, and you can use this if you think it would be helpful for you is to remind myself that like other people's reactions to what I have been through isn't about me. It's about them and their own discomfort with the hard things in life or their own discomfort with the idea of losing their own parents or their own discomfort with the fact that they have somebody in their life that has mental illness, that they don't know how to support them or whatever it might be, but has actually nothing to do with the vulnerability that I'm showing and more so that like they're incapable or unwilling to meet me there because, because for me, this process of the trauma that I went through, the grief that I was holding just like told me this story that I was like so damaged that I couldn't connect with people. I was so damaged that like no one would ever be able to see me or hold me or be in relationship with me because of how, how 
how awful I was, I had to get to a point where I recognized that I am not damaged because of this. And the way that people react and respond to me based on their own stuff is not about my damage, but instead about what is happening for them. And that my experience of what I had been through isn't made less real by other people's reactions to it, right? When people would say, oh God, I'm so sorry, that sounds sad or whatever it is, like the most like, (laughs) well, just be grateful for the time that you had with him, right? Like all of this like bullshit that people would like throw at you isn't because I'm like somehow not explaining well enough how deeply this is hurting me, right? But instead that they're just not able to hear it or see it or understand it. They're just not capable of it. Yeah. And that's shitty. And it's shitty if this person is like your mother-in-law. But I wanted to just kind of say that initially, because again, I think that like this work that you're doing in therapy where you can hold this and say like people's reactions to it aren't, doesn't change it, doesn't make it different, right? Like all of that stuff I think is going to help you as you're continuing to do that work with your therapist is going to help you be able to like receive her toxic positivity in a way that feels more about like, here she is doing this thing that she does and less like, oh, I showed her my underbelly and she was like, that's disgusting. Get it away from me. Cause that's not actually what happens is happening here, even though it certainly feels like that is what's happening here. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I said this earlier, like that this is the world Sam and I want to live in. And, but I also relate to this letter so personally because I'm like a recovering oversharer and <laughs> this I, is how Sierra and I became friends. <laughs> yeah. I was like, puke all my life story on you. Um, and you're like, I guess I'll carry it. <laughs> um, but I had to, I have to learn. I'm still learning um, that sharing is not the only way to seek safety and connection. Um, and what I learned very recently is bonding over grief is not for everyone. We, part of the mental, like, you know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about like, not everybody is for you and, um, everybody sees the world in different ways. You know, an extension of that is also not thinking about healing or forms of processing in, in a higher hierarchical way, you know? Um, the idea, the idea that, you know, we need to talk about our grief to move through it, or, you know, this person is just using their pain to dive into their work, or they're not acknowledging how sad they are over their brother, loss of their brother. Those things all may be 100% true. We're never going to know because we're not in their body. Um, or like, maybe we can just, like you said, you can feel her pain emanating off of her. Maybe you're truly that empathetic and she's, um, like, I I don't doubt any of that. Right. And also at what point do we say in this person's life, you know, I'm assuming they're, they're a senior citizen at this point or nearing that at what point in our life are we going to say this person has found a mode of existence that is working for them? And I know that that's a slippery slope because um, it's really hard to like let people settle into their shitty behavior or their or their toxic coping mechanisms, you know, and also sometimes we that that is the only option we have 
because we are not in control of other people. And if we deem, if we seek to control people or, or tell them what is right for their life and what isn't right, uh, it's just, it's a path of suffering, right? Because we can't control other people. I'm not talking about like not punishing violent criminals. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm talking about your, your mother-in-law who doesn't really cope outwardly or externally or internally even with her pain and just represses it with work and positivity. Um, there comes a point in time where you have to, you know, radical acceptance is also saying, I accept you for everything that I would do differently. I accept you for all of the ways that I think you're actively harming yourself, but you don't seem to think is harming yourself. You know what I mean? At some point we have to say this, this is working for this person. They're not actively harming other people in this behavior, you know? And I've had to learn that bonding over grief isn't for everyone. That it's not that she doesn't want to do it with you. It's that she doesn't want to do it at all. You know, that this is not her mode of moving through the world. Um, and maybe that's a, a way that you can think about it that doesn't make that hurt even bigger or deeper because it's not a rejection of you. It's that this is, you know, it's not that she doesn't want to dance to this song. It's that she doesn't dance, you know? And obviously you've thought about this and it, this is not an excuse for toxic or harmful behavior, but she, you know, she's from a different generation and she's using the tools that she was given in this lifetime and you can't force her to go to therapy. You can't force her to, to, to con connect in a way that she just doesn't have the language for you. It's almost like love languages. You're speaking a different language. I'm confident that there's grief languages or trauma languages, right? How, how do you respond to these things? Um, I'm also confident that, you know, you want to connect. You want to cherish this family member. Is there a way for you to pivot that energy and affection to something else? And don't mask it as, as something, you know, don't, don't mask this desire to connect over the hard things in life. But instead be like, okay, my mother-in-law loves to bake. Maybe she can, I don't know, teach me how to bake. Or maybe you want to bond over something even lighter than that, like a TV show. There's a TV show that she likes. I don't know. If if you want to connect, you're going to have to find a different way. And that's hard. That's meeting people at where they're at. You know, um, that's so challenging. All of this is challenging. If I haven't said this already, like I, I have really, this season of my life is so much about um, protecting my tender heart for all of all of its deep desires to be seen. You know, I just, I want to connect so badly. I want to be heard and validated by other people so deeply, but those people I know cannot see me and validate me in the way that I want. So I have to learn how to protect my heart, protect my um, grief, protect my, um, my energy, my family by boundaries, you know? Um, and that's so hard. It's so challenging to undo that call and response that we learned, you know, you learned it through your childhood. You learned it through your trauma that, that to, to connect is to be seen in all of that. And that's not necessarily true or it's not as fruitful as our heart thinks it will be. You know, I think the reality is, is that 
the way that she is processing through her grief is working for her. Right. And cause if it weren't, she would be doing something different. And so I think one of the things that like, that is important to understand here is that it's, it's not just that she's giving you 100%, right? Cause that is true. She is doing that, but also the things that she is doing, this toxic positivity, this workaholism, like this, sort of focus on pivoting towards everything is fine. Everything is fine is working for her. It is, it is helping her get from day to day. And do I have a different way of processing through my grief that I think works well for me? Absolutely. sounds like you do too, but part of, I think really authentically holding relationship with this person is going to have to be the radical acceptance that you two are different people with different ways of holding and processing your grief. And neither one is inherently better than the other one. Right. And, and, Mm. and you loving her in the most meaningful and authentic way is to love how she is holding her grief for herself. Right. Like, Woof, Samuel, (laughs) how dare you? I know. And that's, that's wild. Right. And I'm having this epiphany about my own family right now. So I really, I'm really glad you wrote this letter because I'm also processing through some of this stuff in real time on, on this podcast. But part of it is about like, you know, you talk about, you want to be an authentic relationship with her. This is her authentic relationship, right? This is how she comes to you authentically and you want to love her fully, right? And love her deeply. And doing that means that you have to love the way she's holding her grief for herself. And, and I'm, I think that as somebody who has been doing this self-work, as somebody who has learned to hold your love for your loved ones who have passed away with the love that you have for the people in your life who are still with us, your love for yourself as well and the kindness and tending that you have done with yourself in this moment is going to make you equipped to love and support and understand your mother-in-law more deeply. And part of showing up means accepting that she's not going to change, that you don't know better than her what is going to work for her and that being in relationship with her or being in relationship with anyone often is also about reflecting back the type of love that people want to receive from us. And so how can you recognize that maybe this isn't the person for your deep connection around the trauma that you've experienced, right? Maybe this isn't the person who is ready or willing or wants to hold that with you, but this is the type of person like Sierra said, where you can find things that you enjoy together, right? Maybe this is the type of person when they're saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and no one believes them, tells people, she's saying she's fine, so we gotta believe her, right? Like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like there's, I think being an advocate, being a supporter of this woman means that you're gonna have to accept who she is and how she's doing the things that she's doing. And that is hard because, you know, it's hard to look at somebody and think like, I think I know a better way, (laughs) right? Like I think if you just spent some time doing this thing, it would make it easier for you, but she's not asking for that. She doesn't want that. That's not the relationship that she wants with you. So how can you hold that and trust that her experience of what she's going through and how she's feeling is real for her and believe it without having to say, ah, 
You think that you're fine, but really you're not because of all of these different reasons. You don't know. You absolutely don't know. She could be fine. And so I'm just thinking about adult children of emotionally immature parents now <laughs> like, and the ways in which we have to just accept that our parents are not going to change and that they're doing things that are working well for them. <laughs> like it's that will be that will be a great resource for you. Absolutely. Our letter writer. Yeah. Um, all right, my darling, uh, thank you for letting us carry this with you for this small half an hour episode or whatever. Um, I will be thinking about you and the lessons you've reminded me of in this letter for a very long time. Um, so thank you again for trusting us, uh, for writing. And I truly hope this helps. Um, we love you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more content from us or if you would like ad-free episodes, you can always support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of David Media, original music, recording, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his podcast and music. And remember, our grief, our healing, and our vulnerability is not dependent on those around us who receive it. It is something cultivated within us and affirmed by ourselves. It goes hand in hand with our compassion for ourselves. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>